0: Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright, and I'm Little Leah, and welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you
1: humping harlots, and welcome to another episode of the Radical Sex Witches I'm little Leah, and with me, as always, is the golden harlot herself, Carla Wainwright. Ooh, I like that. Thanks. (laughs) We're just a different breed, hey? Someone's like, you're a slut, and you're like, thank you very much. Thanks so much. (laughs) Totally. Totally. How you doing, We're not right here at the Radical Sex Witches, but... You likely know that because this is episode 131. I know, that's crazy. That is crazy. And we're going to, you know, we've got some body tales from days gone by for all of our witchy listeners today. And uh, those who have been hanging out with us for quite some time might think we've already uncovered all the wicked and naughty ways people behaved long ago. But it seems that there are even more lurid stories waiting to be discovered and shared from crazy cock rings to, to to ways to cheat on a virginity test we're sharing in another and finally it's back i was today years old historical sex facts that you definitely did not learn in history class so why you kick things off carla
0: yeah so we you know um i feel i feel kind of proud of the number of amazing facts lurid you know, lascivious facts that we've put in over 130 something episodes, and I'm always amazed that I keep finding more. Yeah, I mean, you know, history is a long time, so I and I have no doubt that there's going to be more, and they may very well be a part two to this. Oh All Jesus Christ! Can you imagine
1: 50 years from now, like somebody doing an episode from the 2000s, the 2020s? Yeah, and they'll be like. Can you believe that they won't eat a French fry that fell on the floor, but they'd go and eat their buttholes? (laughs) 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 Yeah, almost as we'll get we'll kick things off. I mean, this is comparable because the first cock rings were made from goat eyelashes. Oh, Jesus. I don't. I hope that it describes this in here. So cock rings were commonly used in Jin and Song era in China, around 1200. Yin, I guess. Yin and Song era. And were made from the eyelids of goats. The goat's eyelashes were usually left on to add an extra bit of stimulation <laughs> for the humans involved. And guess what? You can still buy natural goat cock rings. Goat-eye cock rings online today. What? <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. Disclaimer. That's what I read. I did not look it up.
1: <laughs> that is so gross.
0: So gross. But I did see a picture of one.
1: I could understand back in, you know, 1200, but it's 2023. So what, the eyelashes were left on for a little tickle? Yeah.
0: Like a French tickler.
1: <laughs> the chinese tickler though they're chinese goats
0: yes this is true um yeah i actually can't think about this one too much because it's just kind of super creepy oh yay <laughs> can't wait no no it's that one the the, the eyelash cock ring oh i thought you so, meant this yeah. next one we no not this next one me. that you one just, might you have know everyone why I got...
1: knows this is just gonna get worse as this
0: episode goes well, on. It, it probably will it probably will but that's why i got you to read it <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're, we're gonna go to rome now so by 300 ad rome had i read 45 brothels i think there's probably more than that yeah. um and they were so popular that they had to stay they were they were like legislated to stay closed until the late afternoon because if they'd been open in the mornings no one would have gone to work
1: oh so, yeah a lot of fucking in rome
0: yep prostitution was fully legal in Rome, and both men and women uh, could offer their services. And at one point, there was a census that showed there were 32,000 sex workers operating in the city. And there were road signs shaped like penises that pointed the way to the nearest pleasure house. And I saw a picture of them like engraved in the cobblestone, (laughs) like a penis.
1: All of the penises. You want to know It's really funny? I know that you by no means spend the same amount of time as I do on TikTok. It's just me that's constantly feeding you videos. But there is currently a trend going around, and you've got to go ask your, your partner this question. And I've seen multiple videos now. is like asking your male partner how many times in a week they think about ancient Rome. And all these dudes are like, well, yeah, I just thought about it yesterday or I thought about it last week. And they're like, well, how many times in a week have you thought about this? And I'm, and it's like this trend and it's a real thing and it's fucked up. So I think it's pretty funny that like. <laughs> got I would, an say I would think book. about it way more than he would. <laughs> yeah, but you're a history dork. Like
0: totally. this is
1: like men as a whole apparently think about ancient Rome like on a regular, huh. regular basis. I don't get wild. It. Okay, I'll send you some after this episode. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the Romans? We're going to stick with them. They actually use special brothel tokens to pay for sex. So to defeat the language barrier faced by st- soldiers stationed throughout the empire, the army came up with these tokens, which featured a full range of sexual activities and positions. Oh, here's the blowjob coin. <laughs> <laughs> the coin's called, I can't even say this, spin spin tray, spin, Carla. How do
0: you say that spin word? Tray, tray, I don't know. Yeah.
1: s-p-i-n-t-r-i-a-e had different values based on the sexual activity depicted and all the soldier had to do was point and pay i mean that's a pretty smart
0: business model i'm not gonna lie about that yeah so you know it's true i think i did see one with a with a blowjob and one (laughs) uh, doggy style
1: (laughs) maybe i need to start thinking about ancient rome more
0: well, did you see that? So it's so funny because did you see? Uh, it's not so funny, but just in my mind, I'm thinking there was that show, well, well it was called Rome, I think it was only on for two seasons, but yeah. there was like one of the HBO. centurions, and then he had sex with Cleopatra, and that was really hot. So yeah. I probably do think about ancient Rome, you know, more <laughs> often than the average person. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: okay, one more from ancient Rome. Okay, Carlos just proving the point here today. I know, I know. Ancient Roman women would use sweat scraped from gladiator skin as an aphrodisiac. So Romans didn't use soap. They preferred to cover themselves in oil and then scrape the accumulated sweat and dirt off themselves with a sharp tool called a strigil. And many aristocratic Roman women, uh, they'd have the hots for a specific gladiator. That was the big thing, understandable. And they would buy their gladiators' body grease and use it as a moisturizer and lubricant.
1: Okay, that's gross
0: and hot at the same time, because exactly, exactly
1: what I thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I told my teenage twin girls, they're 16, about that, and they honestly almost threw up in their mouths. So I didn't share with them that I was like, "Mm, well, (laughs) I don't know, I'll find someone that thinks it's gross and
1: hot. Well, you did right here on this show. Shocker. (laughs) Hopefully we're moving away now from ancient Rome. I don't know. I haven't gone that far what's what we got going on, but cheating on a virginity test. So the pure virtuous medieval women was expected to be a virgin on her wedding night however women also had access to guides on how to fake virginity and one book states the day oh boy the day before her marriage let her put a leech oh jesus christ let her put a leech cautiously on her labia taking care lest it slip in by mistake carla wainwright then blood will flow out here and a little crust will form in that place because of the flux of blood and the constricted channel of the vagina thus in having intercourse the false virgin will deceive the man that Um, is some pure awesomeness (laughs) okay well i don't want to leech near my cooter like i'm just i'm squishing it up right now We're not done talking about this, by the way. The most common sign of virginity in a a woman was that her hymen remained intact and husbands would expect that a new wife would bleed during the first time they had sex. There are some medieval texts that give advice to women about how to convince a man into believing she was still a virgin. Virgin, virgin. One version (laughs) of a virgin (laughs) of the 12th century book, The Trotula. I hope I said that correctly, gives a couple of options for a lady facing this situation. This remedy will be needed by any girl who has been induced to open her legs and lose her virginity by the follies of passion, secret love, and promises. Been there, girl, been there. When it is time for her to marry, to keep the man from knowing, the false virgin will carefully deceive the husband as follows. Let her take ground sugar, the white of an egg, and and alum and mix them in rainwater, in which pennyroyal and calamint have also been boiled down with other similar herbs. Soaking a soft, porous cloth in the solution lets her keep bathing her private parts with it. How's that going to... I don't... Okay, please don't try this at home. That sounds like it's not going to work to seal your hymen up again. And there's one more here. So, other tricks involved a woman arranging to have her wedding take place while she was menstruating. Oh, yeah, good one. Or secretly substituting, (laughs) or secretly substituting the bride with another woman when it came time to consummate the marriage.
0: That's why I have a twin sister. Yeah, so you had to make sure everyone's really drunk. (laughs) Or that, yeah. (laughs) But then, you know, then that. Woman wouldn't be a virgin and she would just have to repeat the whole thing with leeches and a fake bride. Oh,
1: God! Again, I'd rather take that magical thing that really sounded like it did nothing than stick a leech in my cooter. So, <sighs>
0: I shared that one also with my girls. <laughs> I thought they loved that one. <laughs> okay, uh. Penitentials, penitentials, um, again, I don't know if I hope I said that right. They were popular books that set out church rules and the penance done for breaking them in the Middle Ages. So this is kind of interesting. So they there's a 7th century Irish penitential, um, which in that text banned oral, anal, interformal sex. I don't know what interformal sex is. I don't know what that is. Um, masturbation and bestiality. Those were all no-no's. And then in an Anglo-Saxon book called The Canons of Theodore, it had this to say about specific punishments uh, for not doing what the church said. So whoever fornicates with an effeminate male or with another man or with an animal must fast for 10 years. So how does that go? (laughs) Elsewhere, it says that whoever fornicates with an animal must fast for 15 years and sodomites must fast for seven years. If he defiles himself, masturbates, he is to abstain from meat for four days. He who desires to fornicate with himself and is not able to do so, he must fast for 40 days or 20 days. If he is a boy and does it often, he's either to fast for 20 days or one is to whip him. Oh, that's terrible. Whoever ejaculates seed into the mouth, that is the worst evil. For someone, it was judged that they repent this up to the end day of their lives. (laughs) Um, And then also to say it was only permitted to have sex with your spouse in one type of position, of course, only the missionary. And the reason for this is that it was thought it provided the least amount of pleasure to the couple.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. At the same time sex poems were very popular in medieval France. This kind of doesn't surprise me given literally anything historical we've talked about on the show. So people would listen to traveling players perform comic, filthy tales and poems called fablaux. They were titles like the maiden who couldn't <laughs> I can't even say this without laughing. The maiden who couldn't hear fuck, the knight who made cunts and assholes speak. <laughs> the priest who peaked and Berenger of the long asshole the knight who made cunts and assholes speak was enormously popular and is found in seven different manuscripts at the time so carla's gonna read us an excerpt i'm really glad that you found this because that's fucking hilarious the knight who made cunts and assholes speak <laughs>
0: oh yeah Boy, okay <laughs> Uh, so says Garen, who never lies, and who in the story will indict the adventures of a certain knight, who had a truly remarkable talent, for he could make cunts speak this gallant, and conjure arseholes from our parts to summon, uh, to answer his summons by magical arts. Sir knight, my gift's no small one, wherever you go, west or east, you shall not find a maid or beast." So she have two eyes whose cunt can refrain from answering you if you but deign to speak to it. There is your reward. Sir Knight, to the second gift I add, as is just and right, that if the cunt be blocked or stoppered up in front and cannot answer you straight away, the arsehole will, without delay, speak for it if you give leave no matter whom it hurt or grieve. You okay there, Leah?
1: Nope. <laughs> I just pictured this whole thing. Invader of the back settlements strikes totally. again.
0: <laughs> it is one hundred percent invader of the back settlements.
1: Yeah, do you just giggle when you find this shit on. I do. I. It's okay. actually. It's
0: really fun. <laughs> There's people who have PhDs in this kind of stuff. Like, I think I missed my That's amazing.
1: We need to find one of them to be on our show.
0: (laughs) Totally. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, The next one, cut or uncut? That is the question. So writing from Southern France in the late 13th century, Rabbi Isaac Ben Yadaya notes uh, that the uncircumcised man excuse me, that the circumcised man should make sure his wife does not sleep with an uncircumcised man. Otherwise, quote, she too will court the man who is uncircumcised in the flesh and lie against his breast with great passion, for he thrusts inside her a long time because of the foreskin, which is a barrier against ejaculation and intercourse. Thus she feels pleasure and reaches an orgasm first. <laughs> When an uncircumcised man sleeps with her and then resolves to return to his home, she brazenly grasps him, holding on to his genitals and says to him, come back, make love to me. This is because of the pleasure she finds in intercourse with him. From the sinews of his testicles, sinews of iron, and from his ejaculation, that of a horse, which he shoots like an arrow into her womb. You have to stop laughing, Lee. I can't do this. They are united without separating. And he makes love twice and three times in one night. And yet the appetite is not filled. But when a circumcised man desires the beauty of a woman and cleaves to his wife or to another woman com- comely in, um, in appearance, he will find himself performing his task quickly, emitting his seed as soon as he inserts his crown. If he lies with her once, he sleeps satisfied and will not know her again for another seven days. This is the way a circumcised man acts time after time with the woman he loves. He has an orgasm first. He does not hold back his strength. As soon as he begins intercourse, he immediately comes to climax.
1: Oh, my God. I'm sorry for laughing through that. But that was some of the most ridiculous shit I've heard (laughs) in a while. The sinews of his testicles. And from yeah. his ejaculation, that of a horse. Sure, Jan.
0: <laughs> no, I feel like um maybe Rabbi Yadiah had, you know, something else going on here. He had uncircumcised envy, maybe. But wouldn't a rabbi No,
1: not if he's Jewish though, he probably still had his foreskin. No. No, if you're no. Jewish, you Jewish are. Was, OK, so, yes, yeah. he was writing some fan fiction
0: here for he, like. That's right. That's right. So some fan fiction. So, um, yeah. Talk so. fan fiction. Mm hmm. The mm-hmm. holy. So who's testing a... this out here, you know? True? Not true? Let us know, dear listeners. <laughs> there was also impotence trials.
1: <laughs> which were a thing in medieval France. Uh, there were a few ways a woman could divorce her husband. and um, We've talked about this before, haven't we? In 1500s yes. France. But there was one deal breaker. They were allowed an, an annulment if they could prove that their husband couldn't get an erection. <laughs> These tests took place in court. A man would have to make himself ejaculate in front of a jury and <laughs> potentially have sex with his wife, too. <laughs> we've got proof of it. Uh, from an article called Standing Up in Court, and it's by Tony, I can't say his last name, Piro, Pirotet. Yeah. So French impotent courts of the 16th and 17th centuries, when husbands charged with erectile dysfunction, <laughs> why can't we go back to that? Just kidding. <laughs> we're obliged to prove the virility before witnesses. A husband's inability to perform was one of the few reasons that the church would allow a marriage to be annulled, so disgruntled women could also afford the legal costs which regularly charged their husbands with, in quotation marks, injurious non-consummation before the, I can't even say that word. Ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical courts. The legal tradition dated to the 1300s when the theologians agreed to the true aim of matrimony with procreation. And statistics are vague, shocker. But by the 1500s, uh, French historian Pierre Darmont, in his detailed account damning the innocent, courts were faced with a tidal wave of accusations. You want to take over here from Carla?
0: Sure. (laughs) So uh, the onus was placed on the husband to demonstrate his powers of erection before an expert team of priests surgeons and midwives oh my god these learned observers would carefully examine his equipment to reach the opinion um on its quote elastic tension and natural motion before demanding proof of ejaculation and many men found their powers would fade on first examination <laughs> Uh, Just looking at you makes me shrivel, one humiliated husband moaned to his tormentors. And any man who failed this test had only one recourse to avoid becoming a laughingstock. And he would demand a trial by Congress where he would have to carry out his conjugal duty before a team of experts as 100% proof that he could perform. So as recounted by a string of contemporary accounts, this astonishing piece of legal pornography would take place in neutral territory agreed by the both parties So after one or two hours, the experts approached the battle scene with candles to establish whether or not there had been penetration and suitable emissions. Um, And the women who had the funds to start impotence trials were almost all from the aristocracy. So it was not surprising that yeah, each new charge provoked a salacious scandal that was disseminated by Parisian pamphleteers, uh, the predecessors of the modern tabloid press, to a bemused uh, wider audience.
1: That's the season of Bridgerton we need.
0: Yeah, agreed the the imbecile
1: trials i'd fucking watch that too
0: (laughs) yeah that actually made might bring the show back to being somewhat decent
1: good again yeah
0: second season really shit the bed after the hot and steamy i mean like honestly if they had just allowed women to say hey i just don't want to be married to this guy anymore they would have i mean it's this is pretty humiliating
1: No, it's terrible. I mean, it's hilarious now to read because I picture everything that people say. But, like, (laughs) oh, man. And if it was just, like, that tabloid talk. Like, think about the shit that I gossip about now. Can you imagine being, like, I had to go to court to see if your husband could perform or not, Carla? Like, there'll be.
0: Yeah. Wow. I actually wonder when the last time this, this actually happened. Me too.
1: Someone was fine. Like, enough is enough. <laughs> I can't see any more flaccid penises or, you know, porking your misses. This is done. We'll just give people divorces.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to move on to the 18th century. Empress of Russia, Catherine the Great, employed foot ticklers to turn her on. <laughs> i like this many great women from russian royalty were thought to have been passionate participants of foot tickling oh my god my feet i'm already right now they're just like cringing up ah! Catherine and other uh, uh
0: others like anna i can't even say all of these names carla okay zarinas is like anna leopold uh Lep- <laughs> leopoldovna
1: Neither of us can say those names. Employed girls and eunuchs as full-time foot ticklers to arouse them sexually. These ticklers also told obscene stories to help with the empress in the, to get her in the mood with steamy fun with their husbands or their lovers. And they were well paid for their tickling services. Uh, for example, the Anna that Carla just mentioned, a regent of Russia was reported to have at least full, six full-time ticklers ready to tickle. At a moment's notice. That's like a tongue tie right there. First of all, I mean, like, uh, that'd be a great job. I know. Sign me up. To talk like a dirty pig and to just tickle feet. Like, where has this been my whole life? I feel like I've wasted my life now, too. <laughs> I am the royal boot tickler. I must get her grace in the mood to mount a husband.
0: Yeah, it is a pretty great job. and. um I just finished watching The Great, which was fantastic. They only did three seasons. They didn't get renewed, which is too bad.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been on my prime list forever, but I haven't checked it out. Is it's it really is there a lot of sex in that or what? Yep. Okay. Well, we might bump that up into the watch list then. Yeah.
0: Costumes are amazing. I found it really fun and um, totally my jam.
1: Awesome. Well... That is the end of uh, this most recent, I was today years old, historical sexual facts. Once again, Carla Wainwright, you have not let us down with the fucked up things that you found online. I'm probably going to be thinking about, you know, goat cock rings, foot ticklers and impotence trials for a while. And sexy gladiator sweat. Oh, yeah. Sexy. That one's going into the spank bank. And guess what? The next episode, when we come back, actually, before we get to the next episode, the next month, it's October. It is my spooky season, and I'm once again taking over the entire month to torture Carla with the best of the worst of the worst of the best of all things spooky. And we're going to be kicking things off with actually a really amazing guest. Um... Her name is Amanda Woomer. She has written 15 spooky books. She's an occultist. She's a a haunted historian. There's so much. We've already interviewed her. I can't wait
0: for you to listen to this episode. Yeah, it's great. I I love that interview. So excited to release it.
1: Yeah. So let's get spooky, bitches. Until next time, I'm
0: little Leah. And I am Carla. We are the Radical Sex Witches, and we will see you next time. low witchy listener it's carla here if you're feeling disconnected from pleasure and unfulfilled in life reach out to me and let's connect on a free call i love helping women like you shift to owning your sexual power reconnecting to your body and finding your unique radical sex witch within go to Carlawainwright.com or find my contact info in the show notes let's co-create a life for you that is truly turned on